evening. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. I like it. I mean, I know the room is new to y'all, but it's also new to me. It takes a little getting used to. Um, but new room, um, new series, same God. It's going to be awesome. I'm really excited um, as far as just how close and how intimate we can worship and study the Word of God. But I'm really excited. Um, I try to control my excitement. Uh, there have actually been parameters set up to control my excitement. Before we go any further, I want to try some crowd engagement. That's, remember, that's... Thank you. That was a beautiful look of understanding. Crowd engagement. That is one of my resolutions for y'all. So um, it's weird to do a resolution for somebody else, um, but I think it's really important. Because uh, there are sometimes I know the spirit is inside you, but your face doesn't know it. And your body doesn't know it. So here's what I do at work. So I have, um, uh, I have a, 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 some would call it a stressful job, some would call it just mundane. It depends on your interpretation. Um, it is uh, monotonous at times, but there are times when you need a, a jump. There's, there's times you're like, okay, it's game day, I, stakes are high, let's get this done. Probably everyone has their different routine. Half of you in this room are closers, salesmen by trade. I'm sure you do something for you get out of the car. But when I get excited, um, yeah, you're gonna, today you're going to kill it. It's not, no one's going to say no. I say, woo woo! Alright, so try it. Alright, so that, we'll work on that. That was weak. That, you're not going to dominate any interview like that. But I go, woo woo! So um, this week, thank you. This week, my lieutenant informed me it was the single handed most annoying thing that I do at our department. Because I do it pretty regularly. Um, if you know anything about me, like, I, I'm just, I'm a creature of habit. So I get out of the elevator and I just, woo woo! And then if I'm really in the mood, like it's game day, it's like it's there's a lot of test, there's a lot of testosterone at work. I'm not even in the top hemisphere, but um, I do that because I get excited. Like I really do. I am I'm an excited person. I'm a highly self motivated person. Um, when we made this new setup, Jamin made it very clear, bro. We got a lot more stuff going on as far as feedback and mics and the room. You gotta stay on the carpet. Like, you can do what you need to do, you can get excited as the Spirit will let you, but for a lot of legitimate and logistical reasons, you got to stay on the carpet. So, I'm going to do that. I'm going to stay on the carpet, but I want our excitement about what we do in this room and what we do celebrating the one true God to never go unnoticed. I'm not saying that we are uh, pomp and stance for the sake of pomp and stance, and I'm not saying you're going to do anything that makes you uncomfortable. I want you to worship in the way that makes you uncomfortable, but I want you to worship in a way that lets you know your body, your mind, and your soul that you worship the one true God, the creator, the sustainer, and the savior of the universe. And it's okay to get amped. I'm going to occasionally call you to whoop, 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 whoop. We're going to rest so bad, but we're going to get there. We're going to get there. So it's our second week in Genesis. This is really part two of the creation story. So last week, we're in Genesis 1, verses 1 and 2. Today we'll be in Genesis 1, verses 3 and 25. Um, and this is really just a fundamental study of our faith. When we sat down and said, why do we want to go through Genesis? When, we, when God put it on our heart and we prayed about it and we came to the result of we're going to be in Genesis, we sat down and said, why Genesis? Why do we want to be in the beginning? Why don't we do something a little more romantically written? Or why don't we do something maybe a little more known or less controversial? Why Genesis? And we, we landed on, this is the foundation of everything. Thus, it is the foundation of our faith. And we have to know where we 
came from before we can know where we are going. We're just going to continue through the creation doctrine. We're going to continue through um, how this thing started. But I want to do a last week recap. It's really important as we move through Genesis, we won't always have the luxury of a recap. Once we get uh, far enough in, it would take the majority of our, our given teaching time to do a recap, but that's not the state today. Today, we can do a recap. Last week we walked into, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It was, it was a beautiful declaration of, of just a, a, a one true God creating everything and everyone at the same time. He, God created everything. And we saw that Moses wrote this in a very specific way. So Moses, Moses is ascribed to being the author of, of Genesis, and he, he writes it um, particularly in the, in the wandering phase of the Israelites in the, in the wilderness. And, and you see a really intentional writing uh, by an intentional author breathed out by the Spirit. What he is doing is he is declaring that God is the Creator. He is declaring that God is the one and only God. And the reason he is doing that is he is leading the nation of Israel out of Egypt. Egypt. They've just lived in the last 400 plus years of their life in a culture that was polytheistic. They lived in a world where there were many gods. There were, there were gods for the stars, there were gods for the sun, there were gods for, for the seasons and the rains. There were a god for everything. So Moses' fear was not that Israel wouldn't acknowledge God as God, but they would just put him on the shelf as other gods. They would say, yes, there's, there's a god for this and a god for that, and there's the, there's the god of the Hebrews, there's the god of Israel, there's the god of Moses. And Moses wanted to declare, he wanted to, to without a doubt in the very beginning say, there is one god. You will worship no other God but God. And God created everything. He was preparing their hearts to understand how they would live their life. And in doing so, he declared it in Genesis 1. He declares it in Deuteronomy when he writes the Shema. And what he's saying is, hey, this is how we're going to live our life. This is how we're going to live our life according to Scripture. So they're coming out of Egypt, a polytheistic culture where they're saying, hey, we are no longer going to be about their ways and about their gods, but we're going to worship the one true God. We're actually about to enter in to Canaan. And Canaan is a land polytheistic driven. It is a land that says they're a God for everything. And they're saying, no, not only are we not going to ascribe or we're not going to live the way these people live, we are going to declare our God while we take over their land because that land is going to be given to us by God. So everything we study, everything we read in Genesis, it may seem like it happened thousands upon thousands of years ago because it did, but it's as applicable today as it has ever been. You see Moses write that way. You see Moses declare that that he is serving and writing and worshiping the one true God. And he's declaring that because, because the nation of Israel needs it. He's declaring that because the nation of Israel, left to their own devices, will slip into idolatry. There, there, is a, there is a crux between the Creator, the one true God, and His creation. And when we confuse that relationship, when we confuse our standing inside the Creator creation, that's when idolatry slips in. That's when sin slips in. Sin is just idolatry at its base form. And Moses knows if he leaves the nation of Israel uh, unprotected, if he leaves them uneducated, if he leaves them um, not knowing the law, the Torah, the Pentateuch, that they will slip into idolatry. They will slip into a world where there are many gods ruling their heart. You see Paul reaffirm this in Romans 1 and we walked through it last week where he says there was, a, there, was a, there was an exchange in sin. When you declare that you are going to sin <laughs> sorry 
When you declare that you're going to sin, it is because you have let the creation uh, become more important than the Creator. And you see in Romans, Paul declares that and says, hey, this is what happens. And when this happens, there's an exchange of glory. There's an exchange of identity. There's an exchange of importance. And just as it was important when Moses wrote it uh, to the nation of Israel, or Paul reaffirmed it in in Romans to, to the believers in the Roman church, it is equally important in Trinity Church 2019 that we never lose sight of the exchange of the creator versus the creation. I pray that we never put anything on the throne of our heart other than God, the creator of all things. So last week, we looked at two verses. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then, and then through that, you see a, a, a macro look. You see a 30,000 foot view of creation where God is speaking everything into being. He is creating everything from nothing. Today, we're going to look at it at more of a breath distance. We're going to, we're going to get in the nitty gritty. We're going to see the details. We're going to see the intentionality. We're going to see the beauty of God's creation. Uh, this is a much longer passage than we're used to. I pray that you would turn to your Bibles. It's, it's Genesis, Genesis 1. It's going to be the first page. Uh, we're going to be in chapter 1, verse 3 through 25. Uh, my wife, Joe has graciously agreed to read it out loud. Long passages is not why you hired me to lead. So she's going to read it out loud. It's going to be on the screen behind you, and there's a Bible somewhere close to you. So, Joe? And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. God called the expanse heaven. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas, and God saw that it was good. And God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit bearing trees, and fruit trees bearing fruit and which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit and which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate them, separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons, for days and years. And let the lights in the expanse of the heavens give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, Let the waters swarm the swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures, and every living creature that moves, with which the waters swarm according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters and the seas, and let the birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Amen. 
Let me pray over us, and then we're going to dive in. Thank you, Joe. God, thank you for creating us. Thank you for sustaining us, and thank you for saving us. God, I pray that in the next few minutes we would just dive into your holy word, that you would make yourself known, you'd make your ways known. I pray that the Spirit would come into this room and that the Spirit would move. I pray that anything that would get in the way of us just intentionally looking to you, that you would cast it out, that we may be solely focused on your ways and and your will. I pray all things in your name. Amen. So like I said, um, last week and this week are really uh, part A and part B uh, of the same sermon and the same creation. It's, it's the same uh, story or the same two different versions or two different stories of the exact same creation. One is a, a macro view of just declaring that God is one and that God is the creator of all things and that he created everything from nothing. And then this week it is just a, a, a micro uh, look into the, uh, um, the nitty gritty of creation a day-by-day account. Uh, We paused at verse 25. Jamin is going to pick up uh, next week in the creation of man. We wanted to carve out just an intentional uh, uh, lesson and and message specifically for the creation of man. I'm really excited to hear it. So we're going to hit up just uh, the the verses uh, 3 through 25 today. And I know it is much longer than we usually cover in in a written or uh, in a uh, a corporate setting. Uh, But I wanted us to see see uh, the intentionality. I wanted us to see the rhythm of, of creation and the rhythm of the writing of creation because it is written very specific. It is written intentionally. We know um, through uh, just the affirmation that all scripture is breathed by God. So all scripture has a purpose. All scripture is beautifully uh, formed and breathed by the spirit for our just education and for our knowledge. And one of the things I wanted us to see is that there's always a rhythm of creation and it is God spoke something was created and it was good let's say that with me God spoke something was created and it was good because you could write that differently right there's more uh, efficient ways to just declare it like hey we could say day one light and day day two sea and sky three is uh, fertile earth day four light and day and night are made five uh, fish and birds and then land animals on day six including humans and then God rested and then we could be moving on to to the next story in Genesis and the next thing but it was written very specifically and it was written with a, a, a rhythm in mind because he wanted the, the writer uh, and, and the reader, the first generation reader, and then all the readers uh, since then, and even in 2019 in Trinity Church in our new room of worship, where there would just be this understanding that through the continual reading of passage by passage by passage, that you would know that God spoke. When God speaks, something happens. God spoke everything into creation. There's a reason that there's this tension between uh, science and and creation, evolution versus creationism. And one of those things is there's a lot of stuff they can't explain. And one of the things I want us to get away from is to think that there's some big, scary conspiracy in the book of Genesis that's going to make us at odds with science or it's going to be this awkward argument. And in some things, no, science can't explain it because it hasn't been revealed. That's the mystery of God. But there's a reason they're trying uh, uh, without uh, ceasing to try to explain some of these things because there's a beauty there that can't be explained except for that God spoke, something was created, and it was good. And if you try to put science 
science to that. It's never going to quite line up. But what I love about science is even in their most futile trying, and I'm a, I mean, I'm not dissing science. Science is good. Medical science is beautiful. Like there's a lot of beauty and common grace there. But one of the things that I've always uh, found reassuring when it comes to that tension or that debate is the Big Bang. Right? It's, it's science saying, we don't know how, we just know there was nothing, and then there was something. So we call that in science the Big Bang because we can't put a word because we don't understand. But this room knows why there was nothing, and then there was something, because God spoke, something was created, and it was good. We're going to get y'all there. It's going to take all of 19. Some of you are like, Why? when we got to it was good, we're like, good. I'm like, okay. We're good. We, should, we could have put it on the slide. We didn't. That's on me. But there, you see there's a tension, and I'm not here to get into a debate, honestly, because I'm going to step into waters that I'm not comfortable in. I'm not a learned scientist, and I'm not a, a renowned theologian. I just know when someone says, hey, there was nothing, and we have to just title it Big Bang because there was nothing, and then there was everything. I say, you're right. Read Genesis 1. I can explain it. I can find peace. I can find assurance there. We see even in day one where where there's light and there's dark, you see God establishing separation. You see God giving order and form and structure to a world just through His utterance, just through His ability to speak. God speaks, something's created, and it is good. And it is good as something that should resonate in our heart because we don't know what that is yet. We haven't seen it is good. It is good is a vast understatement in our understanding because it is good is laying the foundations for Eden. It is, it is good it is God saying, I've made something in its perfect form, void from sin. Sin has not fractured the earth yet. Sin has not come into the earth. Everything is beautiful. It's harmonious. It's, it's Selah. There's this peace between creation and its creator that has not been fractured. There's no separation yet. So when we say it is good, it is beautiful. It is right. It is perfect in its creation and in its existence. We see the foundations of Eden, and frankly, we see a glimpse of the new, the new Jerusalem. We see in Genesis 1 a glimpse of what we restore our hope in. We see our hope knowing that God's going to come and make all things new. But in Genesis 1, there's no need for things to be new, because at this point, things are good. But I want us to have an understanding because there is tension, right? There is a reason that Genesis is not wildly taught. Um, we found that when we were doing research um, on just books of like, hey, we're not, we're not big on just rewriting the will or uh, rewriting the will. That doesn't sound like that's how it's supposed to be said. But uh, we're like, hey, let's, let's come along books and studies that have already been written. And I'll be honest with you, there's a lot of studies on the books of Paul, and there's not a lot of studies on Genesis. And some of that is because it's just a large book, but some of that is there's this anxiety. There's this tension of, man, some of this clashes in a science, creation, evolution theory. Some of this is it's, it's a culturally written book that we don't quite wrap our mind around in the 21st century, um, but it is, it, is, it is vital for us to understand as believing sons and daughters of God. It is vital for us to understand and to proclaim the biblical truth that is the foundation of what we believe in that starts 
with Genesis. We believe this book to be one fluid story of redemption. This is not a book comprised of a lot of great stories that are just randomly placed together to make us feel better or to make us just to think, wow, that's a great long book. No, this is one beautiful book, a story of redemption. And for us to actually proclaim that, we have to actually believe that and understand that. So the first thing we have to declare in chapter 1 of Genesis is that there is one true God. And and through that one true God, we declare His sovereignty and His power by His ability to speak everything into existence from nothing. God existed completely in His sublime, sublime glory. That was even close. So what that means is God needs nothing. God wasn't in need. There wasn't a U-sized hole in God's heart. God wasn't bored one day, so He made the earth. I mean, some of that's like, uh, that's kind of rude to say out loud, but I feel like you need to know the truth. God created us purely because He voluntarily wanted to. He was completely self-sufficient in His own glory, resting in His triune community. We see in Genesis 1-2, and then reaffirmed in the Gospel of John, that God, that God was in... Trinitarian community um, forever. There was no beginning. There was no end. It was Him, the Spirit, and Christ, the Word, uh, living together in loving communion. And then God spoke everything from nothing. God created, God formed, and God filled. And here's why I want you to know. I don't want I, you're not going to win some Genesis trivia uh, if you go toe to toe with a really articulate uh, evolutionist. I'm not guaranteeing that this sermon is going to put you on the best of uh, fighting uh, stances. But I will tell you this: it, it should give you peace if you understand and believe what we say to believe that starts in Genesis one. And you have to know the beginning before the end can give you hope. I'm going to say that again. You have to understand Genesis 1. You have to believe Genesis 1 before the end of the Bible, the New Testament, Revelations, can give you hope. There's a beautiful intentionality, and this is where we find our hope and peace, and this is where that hope and peace begins. One of the things is that we can declare, if God is the one true God, that you are not. If God is the one true God, you are not God. You are not worthy of glory or worship. And that sounds like I'm coming at you south, but the reality is I'm taking the burden off your shoulders that sometimes we put on ourselves that we think we have to be in control. We have to think we have to be in complete um, uh, standalone power. We think that it's our way or the highway, or we think that everything that is either, either this church or this family or our friendships or something is relying solely on you. And I'm here to tell you you're not God and those things aren't true. Those things are lies that Satan puts on you to crush you. God says, come to me, my yoke and my burden is light. Satan says, I want you to feel the weight of the world on you and I hope you snap. But we know through Genesis 1 that the weight of the world is actually spoken into by God, controlled by God and sustained by God. You are not God and that is a beautiful thing. You are not to be worshipped and that is a beautiful thing. The God of creation is the God of the New Testament. God doesn't have a personality change. God doesn't change His his moral structure or His ethical structure. Um, There are covenantal changes inside the Bible, but God is God. He does not change. His love sustained us. His love created us. 
There's this debate in the Old Testament versus the New Testament. Is God's sovereignty and power the identity of God? Or is God's love the identity of God? And I'm here to tell you it's the same thing. God's sovereignty and power created the world. That's the best example of love. He created you. And then when we broke this world, that God of power and sovereignty created a a system and an idea and then put His Son into that and saved us through that salvational work. That is the God of the Old Testament that people are sometimes scared of and they feel like He's a disciplinarian. Is actually the same God of the New Testament that is the designer of agape love. We wouldn't know what love was or is if we didn't have a living example through God. He is the same God. The God of creation is the God of the New Testament and that should free you. Because what that means in in Psalms 139, which is a a psalm that has sustained me through some of my darkest days when uh, we, me and my family, were in the the year-long battles of infertility. When you you read Psalms 139 and you say, Oh Lord, you search me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down. You acquired all of my ways even before I were a word on my tongue. Behold the Lord, you know all things. You formed me in my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That can't be true if He's not the creator of all things. So when you read 139 and it it, it stirs something up in your soul, what you're actually doing is affirming Genesis 1, that God created all things. And since He created all things, He saw your unformed unformed substance and and your book were written every one of them and the days that you were formed you were known all of them man I'm not a great reader but that would have really killed if I could have landed that (laughs) why she got up in red a lot of passion not a great reader y'all seen the movie that Hillary made reading's not what I do but in Matthew when we have a hard day and we say, I need a Christ and a Savior to come and to offer me a different way of life. And when Christ says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take upon my yoke and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That can't be true if God is the creator of all things. If we don't have a triune God living in tri Trinitarian community in the creation and the beginning of all things, then Christ can't come to this earth and He can't give you rest. He can't bear your burdens and give your soul the rest it desperately needs. In Ephesians 2, when we see that we were dead in our trespasses and that we deserved hell and the grave, but then you see some of the most beautiful words in Scripture, but God, right? We were dead in our trespasses, but God fulfilled the salvational promise. He filled the covenants that He promised. And through the lineage of David, we have a Savior who died on the cross, who died was buried and rose on the third day, conquering hell and the grave. We have that because we affirm Genesis 1. We affirm that God created all things. He sustains all things. And through His love, mighty, magical power, He will save all things. Who said that Genesis couldn't get you amped? Alright, we're getting better. I actually stole that from somebody. I don't know who it is though. 
So don't give me all credit. Give me like 40% credit. Um, but I do like that. <laughs> I didn't hear that when we won. I don't really... I like it. I should have just been listening. I'm reading. It's great. So one of the things I, that I want us to take with us is that for us to actually... For us to actually believe what we say we believe. And for those scriptures that are, that are foundational, those are pillar scriptures where we say, He knew our unformed substance and He knew when we sit and when we rise. He knows everything about us because He is the Creator. He knows us because He created us. And in Matthew, when you say, I need peace. This world is crushing me. These, these things in, in this world, these pressures uh, are crushing me. The anxieties, the worry, everything is more than I can bear it, we have a Savior who says, no, I can bear it, put it on me. We, we, we believe those things because we were created by that Savior. And then in Ephesians 2, when we realize I am a broken, broken sinner that does not deserve anything but hell in the grave, but I get heaven, I get a new Jerusalem, I get a Zion, I get that because I am saved by the creator of the world. So when we, when we latch on to our faith, when we latch on to the foundations and the pillars of what we believe, I want us to rest in the truth that is Genesis. I want us to rest in the belief that we are in intentionally made by the sustainer. The same thing that spoke the universe into being created you. The same thing that spoke uh, the world and the, and the planets and the hemispheres and the sun and the stars and the moon, everything that I don't understand at all because it's not how my brain works, that God created you. That God will sustain you. And when that God speaks, things happen. And when that God speaks, and when that God creates, He does it in a way that is a loving form of beautiful salvation that we only have to do is reach out and love Him for it. And, and I want us to keep that through Genesis. I know there's a lot of Genesis that becomes historical, and there's a prescriptive, descriptive uh, notion to Genesis where there are some things that are just beautiful stories. They're true. They're historical. They happen. But it's hard for us sometimes to um, apply apply those to our everyday 2019 American lives and I want us to always be able to pause in the truth of scripture pause in the truth of Genesis that says we were created by this God, we were sustained by this God and we were saved by this God let me pray over us and we're going to end with some worship God thank you for tonight thank you for creating us God, I know um, there, are, there are days and there are weeks that it feels like we are surrounded, but the truth is that we know we are actually surrounded by you. God, I know that we, we make our life more complicated and more stressed than it has to be, but the truth of our life and our day and our ways is that the mission is the same. Each day and in each way, the mission is the same, to look more and more like you. God, I pray over the people in this room, and I love them dearly, that they would be sustained, they'd be filled with hope, and they would rest in the peace of knowing that they are the creation and that you are the creator, and all they are to do is follow your will and your way. I pray all these things in your name. Amen. Amen.